0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, back here with Matt. As always, we have a lot of very lowly football to talk about. Uh, Honestly, not a lot of lowly football. Just we're not even going to get into all these game, all the X's and O's of this because, quite frankly, they don't even deserve it. Um, Matt, other than this embarrassing, uh, the embarrassing local football that we've had to endure this weekend, how's everything by you? you know everything else is okay i've kind of i'm
1: already sort of i don't know about you i've kind of shifted to just you know red zone and fantasy
0: honestly yeah you're, in you're terms very of much emotions.
1: alive like i'm not going to lie to you and say i didn't sit there and watch the entire jet game but um but you know what i mean that's just kind of where my head's at
0: yeah and and speaking of fantasy you're very much alive after calling your season dead a few weeks ago yeah
1: three straight wins um i got a little disrespect in the group chat that didn't sit well with me so um you know that um what does Michael Jordan say? I, I took that personally.
0: Hashtag revenge tour. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see where that leads you, but um, hopefully into much greener pastures than the giants. Um, I really, you know, I don't want, don't know what to say about this game. This is, uh, if you're a giant fan, if you're, if you're part of the giants organization, it, it's kind of embarrassing. 49, uh, 17, this game was over before it started. Um, you know, the first uh, not going to get into the X's and O's of this, but the, my only thoughts on this game were, you know, first drive. I thought the defense kind of came out and played motivated. But, uh, you know, we, we say this by the Jets all the time. As soon as the other team puts up, what, seven points or so or, you know, can, can put up more than you can feasibly score. The game was over. Right. Cowboys put up 21 points in the second quarter. They could have put up they could have put up zero points in the second quarter. And, and the, I think the game would have been over um i mean really you're you're running out a quarterback for the giants that uh you know root for the kid jersey kid obviously but i mean 14 of 27 86 yards and an in, in interception sacked 5 times and, and he, he's seven rushes but they're not rushes those are rushes for his life back then yeah. and uh it it's just it's just an embarrassing time to be a giant fan although you know it, if you're if you're a Giant fan that and I don't know if there's any Giant fans that aren't like this, but if you're a Giant fan that that is ha, is rooting for the tank and embracing the tank,
1: yeah, everyone got this, what they wanted.
0: This is yeah, this is kind of what you wanted, and uh, you know, there, there's really nothing to take out of this. Uh, no, there's nothing that uh, jumps off the off the board of me uh, looking at some of the stats and just watching some of the games. I mean, I guess the only thing that you can say and and you know. I guess I guess this is a the 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 best way to look at it is, I guess you got out of this healthy, presumably. I mean, not that it even matters, right? Yeah, like, it you doesn't. Know, <laughs> yes. you of our have boy to coming. You know, the- I thought that
1: was a funny shot um, of his family up there at the game, kind of complaining about the play calls because that's kind of like every New Jersey household during any Giants or Jets game. Um, I think if you're a Giant fan, yes, it's embarrassing. If you're a member of the Giants organization, it's totally embarrassing. But like we just said, they got what they wanted. I mean, you get blown out in this game. You never even had to, for a second, you know, worry that you were going to maybe, you know, be in it towards the end. And then you look up and you see, wow, the the Arizona Cardinals are not trying to lose games.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're, you're right. And I think it's like the Giants can very feasibly find themselves with the first pick. And that's that's that is the goal. It has to be the goal. And really, it's tough for us to even cover the game because and and kind of talk about you know next week. What are they ten point dogs to the Commanders next week? Yeah, which is we crazy. might not I even mean, talk about that
1: them. In a <laughs> favorite of that magnitude,
0: I couldn't tell you. The, they the Washington, I feel like they're they're a team that that struggles to put up ten points almost every week. They're ten point favorites. Yeah, yeah it, it's just a totally different game that other teams are playing now, and uh, I mean the Giants are—they're in, in a—it's—it's going to be hard to watch. I feel I—I re- kind of feel bad for Giant fans that it's that it's gotten to this point, but uh, I, I mean, let me ask you this, and I guess this will be the end of the Giants talk and the beginning of of our our Jet talk. But would you rather be the Jets or the Giants right now?
1: Uh, you'd rather be the jets
0: i think at least there's a
1: couple things to hang your hat on um you know with the giants i mean as jet fans we we've been the giants a bunch of times we've been you know tanking let me get that quarterback and it, it never seems to work out anyway so i think at this point i'd rather be the jets uh, not that not that it's a great thing to be uh but i'd rather be the jets
0: yeah and and definitely not a great thing at all uh the jets fall 16 to 12 to uh, a very, let's be honest, lowly but motivated Raiders team. Um, uh, let's. Can I get something out of the way? I don't know what was going on with the broadcast of this game, but or or what Antonio Pierce said to the the broadcast of this game. But every time the guy breathed, they they would make a comment about it. That's Antonio Pierce football. What I didn't a, what get it? By uh, yeah, you, you kind
1: of. You mentioned it, and then it was just amplified to me times a thousand. I forget the exact, I forget the exact text that you sent, um, mimicking uh, Chris Collinsworth. But it was, it, I forget, it was like that was a great time out
0: there. That was verbatim. Appears. It was just, it was, it was absurd. It was strange. It, it was so. It was like you know, not that people always c- uh, call Joe Buck, you know, anti-my team guy, right? He's always anti whatever team you're rooting for. But and I never think that I, I, I actually like Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. I think it's a I think it's a great booth. Well, that's to that uh, Rico now.
1: so uh, uh, Michaels um, is on the uh, Thursday night on prime, unfortunately correct, for him
0: Correct. yeah, very sorry, very unfortunate for him. But yeah, specifically Collinsworth, uh, that was crazy. I mean, and, and not not for nothing. The, the Raiders didn't look anything impressive at all. So if that's Antonio Pierce football, uh, that, that might be a little concerning. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I mean, so. at least it's a motivated team, unlike they were a couple weeks ago.
0: Um, yeah. Listen, I
1: guess we're going to have to get into the Jets of all this, and I'm not trying to just wipe away another segment here and say, "Oh, well, what do you even say about it?" But it does get to a point of exhaustion because, like, we're on the show right now. We haven't started talking about the Jets. We both know exactly what we're going to say. We know we're going to complain about the quarterback. We know they're not going to make any changes. They already told you they're not going to make any changes. And even if they did, you got to think it's too late anyway. So I just, after every week we we come here, we have the same exact conversation. And it just, it gets tiring. It gets so boring that now there's people like taking the tact of being on the other side. I don't know if you heard uh, Rex Ryan Monday morning after the game. And according to Rex Ryan, not only is Zach Wilson not the reason that the Jets offense is as broken as it is, but Zach Wilson actually deserves credit for uh, bringing your team to four and five at this point. It's just, it's getting so boring that it's getting ridiculous and it feels like the season's over. Um, You lost two games that you kind of had to win.
0: Yeah. And and so I I guess to that, you know, what do you, what do you say to, you know, people that, that might say that there's, you know, because obviously how do you watch this team and not, and not, you know, it's not on all on Zach Wilson. It's not. I mean, the penalties against oh, the Chargers, against the Chargers, it's, you know, Alan Lazard, he, penalty left and right. And then against uh, against the Raiders, CJ Uzama steps up and he's the penalty guy this week. It, it's getting ridiculous. I mean, they just cut Michael Carter today, which I'll say this. I think a lot of people are kind of reading too into that. Uh, it was, it, people see it and kind of thought it was like a, a disciplinary move and very well could have been. But I think it, it could just be, you know, is uh, Israel, he uh, Ab- Abacanya, whatever whatever his name is. That I can't really even yeah, pronounce it. Yeah, they have it, a but... rookie that they're kind of making
1: room for. And, and
0: Michael Carter yeah. was getting wasted as the 3rd yeah. running back. I don't think it's or, a, you know. Yeah, or l- I'll propose this to you. What if they dress a third quarterback this week? What would that even be? Like I mean, could it be Simeon oh, and so Tim Boyle? Simeon, so Tim Boyle's
1: been dressing, yeah, and and Simeon not yet elevated from the practice squad. Listen, I mean, I guess, but they, I mean, they already told you they're going with Zach Wilson, so they're gonna either lose the game with
0: Zach Wilson, um, you know, where they pull him when it's too far gone. Yeah, and, and I, to be honest, I think it is too far gone. So, so I'll ask you this being that I think we, I, I think you and I among many Jet fans agree that it's definitely too far gone. Is there something else here? Do you think that there's something else here front office wise? Do you think there's something else here of, you know, under the table a handshake wise, that is the reason that Zach Wilson is is playing still? Cause that's definitely been a theme here in the last couple of weeks that maybe there's, you know, maybe it doesn't really even matter how Zach Wilson plays in the field because this is this is kind of just what the plan is.
1: Yeah, I, I hear a lot of fans um, you know, kind of kind of go that route. Um, I don't really know what the thinking is. Like, are they thinking that Woody Johnson is, you know, banging his hands on the desk saying, no, it's gotta be Zach Wilson? Uh, do they think Aaron Rodgers is saying, no, 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 stick with Zach Wilson? Well, I don't know what what people think it might be or what sort of uh I don't know. I I just think that they look at Zach Wilson and say, well, he's the most talented player on our roster. So clearly he gives us the best chance to win, but you see around the league, that's not really the case. You know, I think anyone would say that Trey Lance was more physically gifted than, you know, Brock Purdy. It happens all around the league. I I don't understand why at this point, you don't give someone a try, because there's no way you're going to bring Zach Wilson back. Right. So I, I just don't, I don't understand this, this coddling and this, uh, if if the season's dead, the season's dead.
0: Yeah, and and I think that you know, look, just I've laid out the numbers. I believe in the last podcast, it, you know, Trevor Simeon versus uh, versus Zach Wilson, but you know, Carson Wentz just signed. He's a, he's a Ram now. He's a former Raven. Former I mean, Raven Charger. Yeah, um, yeah so he signed with the Rams because I believe they were. He, I would wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's cut like immediately. Um, but all reports said that he he reached out to the Jets and kind of offered his services, I guess. And, and like the, that means that not only are they playing Zach Wilson because there's no one in the building, but they're refusing outside services to to come in and help, which I think uh, yeah. it would be crazy to say that Zach Wilson can lead, lead this Jets team in, or put the Jets, this Jets team in a much better position than Carson Wentz. Or, you know, going back to the trade deadline, Josh Dobbs. Or you know anyone really? There there's so many names. Taylor Heineke, he, you know he hasn't yeah. really won games in in Atlanta, but definitely looks better than Zach Wilson. Can, could have definitely put up more than 12 points. Could definitely the, put up more the than the big 11, mistake 21. on the season was
1: that they went into the season without a backup, and then for 10 weeks they doubled down on it.
0: Yeah, and, and they're going to continue to double down on it, and, and it, we might not ever get the explanation. We we might not ever we might not ever see any sort of alternative, but. Well, yeah. I guess the the alternative
1: is it really does look like Aaron Rodgers is is plotting to come back this season. Uh which I don't understand cuz like we just said we we think the Jets are kind of out of it. Um I think they're in th- they're what 13th in the AFC. The AFC is kind of like our fantasy league. Everyone has five wins, four wins. It's it's just an impossible conference. But when we said a minute ago, it's not old Zach Wilson. I know it's not. But is that when fans say that or like when you just said there's so many penalties and there are there was a touchdown the Jets had that gets called back and Zach Wilson said himself it feels like anytime we get something going or we have a good play on offense it gets called back with knowing all that knowing how broken this offense is are are we
0: saying that we don't think it would have worked with Aaron Rodgers either so so I think that's a much deeper conversation for sure and I think that 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 kind of, you know, that that kind of speaks to more so of, you know, that gets right. me into he's thinking like, about. He's like a huddle
1: commander, and I think a lot of those things could have been fixed. It's not really a knock on Zach Wilson that they're happening. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone ever thought this was a tremendous offense. You were kind of just, you know, hoping that Aaron Rodgers was
0: going to be a consummate pro, and uh, all they had to be was decent. Well, So, yes, but I, I think that there's much, there's even more layers to that where, you know, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is a good offensive coordinator for anyone but Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, the the system that he runs is maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers maybe he's not even a good offensive coordinator for Rodgers, but Rodgers is just you know knows knows what uh, how to maneuver a Nathaniel Hackett offense, and and maybe that that same can be said about a guy like you know Randall Cobb at this stage in his career. Not a good receiver, but if you get Aaron Rodgers under under center maybe he can be serviceable. Same thing with Lazard. And same thing I with would even say as far as that Nathaniel Hackett,
1: when it comes to this offense, is is more just an extension of Aaron Rodgers. Because we heard, you know, that this was finally when Aaron was going to get to run the offense he wanted. Like, it's kind of the
0: Aaron Rodgers offense, and he's the guy holding the clipboard. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of the hierarchy, you could even argue that this is Aaron Rodgers' team, even over, even over Salah. Yeah. Other other than the defense, obviously, which, you know, I think if if we're going to have a conversation, anything about Salah, I think you definitely have to give him props for for having a, a defense that has constantly, constantly been out there and giving it their all and constantly impressing, uh, you know, that that's where that's where but that's where it ends, right? That's where the solid conversation ends, because there's been no semblance of offense. There's been no semblance of creativity. There's been no semblance of of even really hope. To be honest, there other than other than you know uh, the the one drive uh that Zach Wilson went and won the game, you know, kind of luckily looking back on it, there's been nothing. There really has been nothing. They they can't score points on offense, and and that doesn't win games. You need to score. An NFL team needs to be able to put up 14 points with their eyes closed in this in this modern NFL, and the Jets can't do it start to finish with everyone healthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and I don't really know what it takes to get to a point where you can start to put something together because we've seen 10 straight weeks and we have, we, we haven't seen an incline of anything. We haven't seen any improvements, you know, every now and then there'll be a week where you say, Oh, they, they actually played, you know, some form of, of football there. And then the next week it's gone. Um, I think that's a total indictment on Robert Sala.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call for his job. Obviously I, I think it's, he, I don't say he's lucky that Rogers got hurt in any sort of way, but in terms of job security, the, you can always say, and Sal is always going to be able to say that this season kind of went awry when, when the, you know, arguably one of the best, the best quarterbacks ever gets hurt. And when, when you build the, the entire team around that guy and it's, you know, it sucks to be in that position and, you know, but I think, I, I think that that sticking with Zach Wilson and and sticking with you know every week it's the same offense, same exact the same exact plays. Nothing gets creative. The most creative play we saw was was the one that could have won the game this past week, where they, they do a double pass with Garrett Wilson. It was a wide open touchdown, busted coverage, and he just throws out of bounds. Not even a, not even a competitive throw. And you know I'm not going to rip Garrett Wilson for not being able to make a competitive throw, but that was the most creative play calling that the Jets had. And I think – how about this? Let me dissect that one play. The Jets are so uh, non-creative on offense that when they actually do run something as creative as that, it works. It, it should work. But the Jets are just so you know, incompetent and, and not able to, to function under those circumstances that that's why that play specifically doesn't work, that they, they don't do that. And although yeah. it works in theory – And although it works on paper and I'm sure if you watch the all 22 of that play, there was probably three wide open touchdowns on that play by how fooled the defense was. But I think the fact that the defense was so fooled by that play kind of speaks to the lack of creativity and the lack of uh, the lack of just offense that this team puts out week after week. hundred percent. You,
1: you almost have an advantage every time you drop back to throw.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I mean, I, I've even said in the past that Zach, will I've called him a roller. You know, when things are good, uh, he he can be okay. Uh, you know, I'm yet to see this the defense kind of. You know, let I'd like to let let's just I'd like to see how this offense can operate with a, with an early lead, like you know. And, and again, you never want to be in a position where you you know you're you're hoping your defense can win you the the game solely on their backs. But you know, let let's see. We just saw Josh Allen. This this past uh yes last night in the Monday Night Football game when Josh Allen throws an interception immediately the Broncos are in are in field great field position and they score and, you know yeah. that let's see that happen this week against the Bills Josh Allen very turnover prone I want to see this team truly play with a a true lead and good in constant good field position and I, you know I'm I'm skeptical that even happens once no it probably won't and by the way the Bills are a team that we'll
1: get into it on the preview pod, but that is a team that's in trouble.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they're really, they're really in trouble. And I mean, not for nothing, credit to the Broncos. They pulled that one out. Uh, they, they almost seem to, I don't want to say turn it around per se, but from where they were a couple of weeks ago and kind of being in a similar situation as like the Raiders where, you know, could it, could they could have seen Sean Payton get fired, could have seen a, just a really awful contract in Russell Wilson, which, probably still is a bad contract you know all things considered but yeah it's the, the the bills are that was a really really rough loss by the bills and you know if you're if you're still a hopeful jet fan i guess the jets are still alive because of that game a little bit right so so let
1: me just you personally what does it take for you to just get back up about the jets like if they if they go into buffalo and win a game are you back on the train at least
0: for another week or are you done seen enough so i've kind of seen enough already and i i think you know truthfully i I think that i just don't see zach wilson turning this around and and until i can see any sort of semblance of offense i think it would be crazy to even think that way so to me you know i i watched that game last night and i didn't think about the jets once right i didn't think about oh i want to root for the broncos because if the broncos beat the bills and then the jets Somehow find a way to beat the Bills next week. Agreed. Maybe they can sneak into the. I didn't think about that once. That never Agreed. even crossed my mind. 100%. So I'm. I've hung. I've thrown in the white flag, and, and I think that if you're a Jet fan that hasn't, I don't know what more you need to see. Yeah,
1: but I mean credit to you. I mean you know it's not a tanking year, so if you're still going to get out for these games, good for you. I'm not.
0: Yeah, I. I, I just uh, even to me, I'm at the point where it's. I, I can't even find a route for them to really win games. No, and like, I, and honestly, besides that, I'm just bored. Yeah, it's it's a bo- it's it's reaching. Uh, I'll, I'll, I kind of disagree partially. The offense obviously is just is just watching paint dry. But the de- I still I still love what I see out of the defense. I mean, it, given all things considered and everything that this this team has gone through. This defense, every game gets up. They're up for every game, and every game. Yeah, I know, but that's that's fun for two seconds, and then it's like, oh, well, here comes Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach
1: Wilson got sacked. Oh, Zach Wilson completed a fifty-yard pass. Never mind, Alan Lazard was holding someone. It's just, I'm sick of it.
0: So you're right, but like you know, looking at things in a vacuum, if if you if you watch that the Raiders game, and even if you watch the Chargers game until the I guess like the very very end. The Jets were given their opportunities, and look, I know, as soon as you think they have an opportunity, you're right, holding, uh, illegal contact, uh, false start, you know, something happens, a sack. You know, there was a point in the Chargers game where the, the Jets could have kicked a field goal to make it a one-possession game, and Zach Wilson just took a sack. Like, the, I think the defense is, is giving, I don't want to say giving you false hope, but giving you enough that. You know, if one of these things goes the other way, if, you know, we just saw last night, right? Everyone considered the Broncos dead. Russell Wilson throws a bomb that ultimately ends up in a pass interference and they end up winning the game. If one of those goes the right way against the Raiders, if one of those goes the right way against the Yeah, but, but the judge won
1: games like that already. It's not going to happen every week. That's how they
0: beat the Giants, you know? Sure. Uh, I mean, sure, but it's, it's still, I, I think it's, football's a weird game. It's definitely a weird game that you know. Even if, even if, like, let's say we just saw Josh Allen. I'll flip. I'll flip the game, right? We just saw Josh Allen kind of throw that game. And is it entirely possible that Josh Allen has another stinker against a much better defense in the Jets this week? Sure.
2: Yeah, but again, the Jets kind
0: of own him. Of course, yeah, of course it's possible.
1: But I mean, I just I like. Bring that hope. I think if you put the Jets' offense in the red zone on
0: air, I think they might struggle to get in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll say if what if if you and I were just on they defense, they would
1: actually like I think they would hand it off
0: like I'm not kidding they they would probably they, they would if you and I were on defense just playing uh, just half the field you get half I get a half yeah. we'd have a we have a solid chance in an interception yeah. oh and Zach Wilson's gonna have to throw this one away <laughs> yeah. yeah no rush but he just randomly throws it away
1: um yeah it, <laughs> that, it's, see that's it, like it's another rough. thing even when it's not a penalty like you have that that great scamper that run by Zach Wilson where he dives he you know he kind of touches the pylon with the football you know it gets called back the jets are at like the 10
0: you know they're not gonna score yeah it was it was it was done there yeah there, there was no way so yeah it, th- that was definitely their opportunity and and there was just there was just no way and, and it's 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 not even like false hope honestly it's just it's just airless watching you know you're just watching with 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 nothing to,
1: it's just strange. You like, know, it's, if, it's almost if like you it know was it's Danny DeVito, uh, Danny DeVito. If it was Tommy DeVito back yeah. there, and a team that's trying to lose games, and you're going to play like that, I get it. I get it. Like they're Maybe trying, Danny DeVito the Jets be trying. Better.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned. Uh, I know you mentioned you meant uh, Tommy DeVito, but Danny DeVito might be better. Yeah, yeah, literal Danny DeVito. So. So yeah, New, just, New York, uh, just sports in general are great.
1: I, yeah, I know I've said this before. Real I really can't believe we went from not even a year ago being like, we actually said this, like oh Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, you know Rangers. I think this might be the first time every single
0: local team gets into put into the playoffs. We're we're going to be zero four to start. Yeah, it's. <laughs> And, and not it's even close. Not even like it's one thing if if like, you know, the the, the the Jets made the playoffs and just lost and kind of underwhelmed there. It's not even like remotely close. No. And, and it's it's bad. And I, I kinda don't even want to talk about this team anymore. do you have no, anything else you to want to add to uh, this? I, I'm already like I'm already kind
1: of like, oh my god, we gotta talk about them on Friday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have to preview this ugly, ugly uh, and I always, honestly, the bills kind of stink too. So I, I don't want to give anyone some, anyone false hope, but you know, we, the jets beat them once. I think that I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to tip my hand on this game, but I think the bills come out and I think they just assert their dominance at home, man. Cause they need to. Like, I, think this they is try my... to. I really think the jets have his number.
1: I'm like, I, I'm, I'm I, starting to like, really, obviously Josh Allen is incredible and I know we want to get onto the Yankees and stuff, but I, I just – I've been thinking about Josh Allen all day, I, like I usually do. Uh, I don't even know Brownie. what his <laughs> NFL comp is. Maybe it's Brett Favre, you know, kind of just someone who has, you know, just such an arm and such talent that you're going to turn the ball over a bunch. But, like, he's he's kind of slightly regressing almost each season. And I really don't know how big that, that Buffalo window is. I mean, we're looking at a team that might miss the playoffs this year.
0: I don't know. Buffalo is just an interesting, concerning team to me right now. Sure. But I think that I think Josh Allen is so talented that they, they did fire their offensive coordinator today. Um, did you see that?
1: Thank you, Ken Dorsey.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we've seen what coaching changes do in the NFL uh, with with the Raiders. They, they've won two games in a row now with with uh, with since the coaching uh, shakeup there. Uh, Sean Payton seems to have turned things around in, in Denver, um, so you know I, I'm fearful of what this uh, this this Bills team could could look like against against a very highly motivated, hungrier dog. Must win at home against a Jet team that seems to already have the rumblings of a of a divided locker room. Yeah. I'm, I'm very skeptical. But Aaron um, Wilson uh, said that there was a, a players only meeting today. I didn't know. I, you know, it smells smells of a a little bit of smoke. Is that even going to help though? Like, what, what is, what are they going to say? I don't know. Yeah. I I really, like, I kind of said the same thing about, you know, jokingly when the the Giants went to halftime this week, I said, like, what is that locker room like? Are they even like mad? Like, or are they just kind of like, yeah, we kind of expected this? (laughs) They're probably having a beer. Yeah. Like, seriously, they're probably just going back there and they're, they're just, you know, all right, we gotta go play the second half. Oh, yeah, like yeah, you know, shit, I have work. Yeah, yeah, let shit, I have work. That's gonna be the title of this <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> let let's get to the Yankees. Uh, you know, just some some quick Yankee thoughts because, uh, it seems like the turmoil is is the headlines. It's all just going negative for the Yankees right now. Um, the the remnants of the Brian Cashman comments seem to be never ending. Um, and. and uh John Carlos' agent today, Joel Wolf, uh came out with a kind of, you know, response to some some of Cashman's words. Uh well, Cashman for uh to fill everyone in, uh, he mentioned Stanton and said he's going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be part of his game, which always a great thing to say about your your highly touted uh big ticket uh acquisition. Uh, you know, a couple years ago that is on your books for another hundred million dollars for the next four years. Always great to see your, your GM talk him up like that, but you know, his stains, uh, stains agent who happens to be the same agent as Yamamoto, who the Yankees are rumored to be in on and is the biggest ticket item out of Japan, uh, in this free agency, not good. Not like I, you, you mentioned the word tantrum a couple times, that's exactly it. That and, and I think the remnants of this might be everlasting, unless you get Juan Soto.
1: Yeah, uh, on behalf of the New York Met organization, I do want to thank uh, Brian Cashman for uh, Yamamoto. I think that's going to be exciting to see him in the uh, pride of the blue and orange. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't really I like I said I just think Cashman's on one. Like we kind of talked about this in the pre-show. You know, I said I, I don't necessarily have an issue with the Stanton comment, I guess. I just don't know why you're saying it. But, like, I
0: just don't know what he's trying to prove, even. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought there. It's, I mean, personally, he's not wrong, right? Like, he, he's, it's kind of the elephant in the room that, that Stan does get hurt every year. And it's, he, I would almost go to, to, I would bet any amount of money that Stan will not play 162 games this year. So he's not like wrong per se. And it is kind of, you know, something that the Yankees will have, have to, and probably already have factored into their 2024 and future equations. But I mean, the only thing I can think of that why he would even come out and say that is maybe he, he wants Stan to kind of not be happy here and and wave that big, no trade. And maybe he wants to, be able to facilitate some sort of stay in offloading somewhere I mean we've seen when uh when mukie bets got traded this was brought up a lot today in kind of relation to these comments but when Mookie Betts got traded they attached David price's horrendous contract to to him uh maybe the Yankees see an Avenue for that with Glaber Torres if the team loves Glaber Torres enough um but man yeah,
1: really I just, just feel like wild. it's wild
0: like you know, if your goal is to let's
1: maybe offload this guy, I feel like the the tack to take wouldn't usually be, well, let me tell you about how this guy is never available. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's strange. Yeah. I feel like most of this is just really any Cashman remark over the past week, you know, whether it's about the analytics, you could point to so many things fans said about that or, or you know, dunked on Aaron Boone a, about analytics. And when it comes to Stanton, you know how many times does Cashman have to hear a fan say, "Well, put him in the outfield." Why can't he play the outfield? It's, I feel like it's just a buildup of like six to seven years of just, just he just can't take it anymore.
0: Sure, but do you
1: have to say it? And no, oh, I just I think he's having a meltdown.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's like some. I didn't even want to bring this up. I kind of told you I didn't want to bring this up, but you know, the on a, another side of this is that people think that maybe Cashman's just kind of had enough of of all this and he's of all the the backlash of you know having a a a, a terrible year for lack of a better term this past year and and maybe he's just kind of he's on when he's under fire which he's never been right you got to think Cashman has just always been spoken glowingly about but then over the past couple of years it's it's kind of been snowballing in the wrong direction for Cashman and maybe it's just could he be just a sore loser Yeah, I mean, I don't think you or I are,
1: you know, the biggest uh, tinfoil hats in any room we step into, but I do think that maybe that has a little bit of merit, you know, maybe not Cashman wants out completely, but, you know, we have heard in the past, you know, rumblings that, you know, there's a part of Cashman that, you know, the, the fact that he's the Yankee GM, you know, maybe feels like, you know, he doesn't get enough credit or it's not a big enough task. I feel like, you know, we've heard that in the past. And, you know, now forget about credit. Now they're losing and it's still the Yankees. And yeah, it's the pressure, but it's also the fact that people think that you're supposed to win no matter what because of the checkbook, you know, obviously not as big as it used to be. Um, But yeah, I think that that's valid. You know, maybe not that he wants out, but that, you know, he's feeling a little bit unhappy at the moment.
0: Yeah, uh, very, very possible. But, and and I'll say this, the the big caveat in all of this and, and the way that Cashman can kind of, I don't want to even say like remedy this, but the way that he can kind of fix all of this and sweep it under the rug, go get Juan Soto, right? And I think it's a, it's an interesting perspective there because, uh, you know, to kind of shed some light on the Padres, uh, Padres owner uh, unfortunately passes away today. Uh, but, you know, amidst all that, there's now the, the idea that we, we heard the Padres had to take out a loan to fund their their player payroll last year. And, you know, they kind of were spending like crazy last year. So, you know, they might find themselves and I think a lot of a lot of very respectable baseball names across the entire, uh, you know, baseball writers and people on on X and all these reporters will probably are all in agreement that they're going to have to move Juan Soto to kind of shed any sort of financial commitment going forward. And, you know, maybe the the passing of their owner and, and I guess the passing of the quite literally the passing of the torch here might be a good thing for the Yankees in, in a sense that maybe this really does open up negotiations for them to, to really offload some money and take their organization in a different direction. And all reports today said that the Yankees are all in on him They're They've been, they've, they've spoken. They've, they're highly engaged with uh, Aaron Nola. They're highly engaged with uh, any, they've been monitoring, monitoring Juan Soto and they've been monitoring Cody Bellinger and you know, not for nothing, if Catherine brings in all these new shiny toys that ultimately forgive a... At
1: least for the moment, it's all forgiven if that happens. Like, I yeah, actually exactly. think, even if it's just Soto, if it's just Soto or if they really spend big money, they bring in a couple pictures. Like, I think there's going to be T-shirts of, like, every silly remark that Cashman said over the past week, and Yankee fans are just going to rock them.
0: Oh, I, I, I can already – I've already purchased – I've already considered myself purchasing – the, the, we're really effing good Brian. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, all, about. that's in
1: production already. I guarantee it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm I already considered to be in my collection. Um, but yeah, just, just really weird times. But again, the, bring in one of those guys, I'll even take a Bellinger. I think, I think Bell Cody Bellinger w- would be a guy that Yankee fans have yearned for for years now. Uh, and I think that given his, you know, I'm, I'm kind of resurgence into I guess stardom now it, with a, uh, with a great season last year. I think if you bring in Cody Bellinger, you kind of set out a lot of fires. Do you buy a Cody Bellinger Jersey? If they do, I know you, you were really high on the uh, Bellinger to the Yankees last year. Well, the the great thing about the Yankees is I could buy Cody Bellinger's uniform and it can be just the number and it doesn't have to say Bellinger on the back. So, sure. so that's always a good thing about buying uniforms, but uh, anything else on the Yankees front? I got a big, uh, big, big hoops talk with Kurtzman coming up next. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: step out for that. I won't be there, but send Kurtzman my
0: regards. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it for me. Yeah, <laughs> as you fade into the background, and we welcome in Mr. Brandon. They're playing basketball.
1: Uh, All around they the world.
2: Uh, uh, to the beach, y'all.
0: Alright, resident NBA guy Brandon, back at it again here on the pod. Brandon, say what's up to everyone, please. How you doing, guys? Great to be back. Always great to have you. Um, let's talk some ball. Uh, you know, we're getting into the uh, first quarter of the NBA season here. In-season tournament uh, underway, actually, as as I speak. Right now, I'm watching Wemby versus Shet Holmgren, uh, the potential Rookie of the Year matchup on TNT. Uh, we'll get into both of those guys later. Let's, let's start with the locals here. The Knicks, tough loss last night against the Celtics. Um, uh, let's be honest. I think that the Knicks are a team and, and kind of been a consistent theme here for the Knicks that will take care of business against the bad teams. They'll, they'll play well against those middle-of-the-pack teams, but they're just not over the hump yet. And I think that last night's game against the Celtics was a perfect kind of testament to that. And, and you know, before I, you, know, you give me any of your thoughts, they just don't have a jason tatum
2: yeah no they don't they don't have a guy that is a top 5 potential in the nba if you don't already have him in the top 5 or top 7 and they don't ha- they just don't have that guy they have brunson very good randall struggled barrett solid they just don't have that guy that puts them over the edge instills fear in the other team and really makes you the true contender in the nba
0: yeah. And, and you need that, especially in this NBA where, you know, think what you want about, you know, the Clippers and think what you want about the Lakers and whatever they all have guys. They have the Kawis. they have the LeBron's, they have the Steph Curry's even the emerging guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who are becoming those guys. I, I'm uh, you're right. I'm not sure Randall or Brunson are those guys or ever will be RJ Barrett. You know, could he get into that conversation eventually? I, I've liked what I've seen at RJ Barrett this year he doesn't play against the Celtics. I thought that was a big loss, obviously for for the Knicks because he's played exceptionally this year. What have you seen? Any anyone on the Knicks that you know? I know you're probably not watching the Knicks as closely as I am, but was has there been anyone on the Knicks that you've seen so far that have really kind of impressed you? Even if it's Brunson or Randall or any of the big guys.
2: Um, I think it is Barrett, and I think for the last two years we've kind of been talking about, or at least last year was. If J- R.J. Barrett becomes the second guy or becomes a really good third guy, that kind of maybe raises the ceiling a tad. But now we're seeing with the Randall struggles, Barrett's had to kind of step in and really take control and really show that he can be the second guy. And the shooting splits are great. He's got more. He's he's uh, passing the ball more. I saw some advanced numbers on him earlier, that, and you had talked to me off the air about it how more potential assists, more assists per game, even if it's a small number so far in a small sample. um, He's still playing off the ball a lot because of Brunson and Randall. So those, the, the the opportunities are going to be a little, always going to be a little limited with those two guys on the court. But I do think he's done a much better job at taking advantage of the opportunities to have the ball in his hands. And that's going to kind of be how the Knicks take their next step. You said it before. Can RJ become that top five, top 10 guy? Well, when you draft a guy top three, that's kind of the expectation you have for the player is that yeah, they're going and- to come that guy. Um, and if he's able to continue the growth, which I think we've seen and you had highlighted on the last podcast about how you felt like he came in the last year out of shape um, and it took him a lot of time, this year it seems like he's kind of getting off to a hot start. So hopefully maybe um, that jump maybe happens in year four.
0: Yeah, and, and you're more of a college basketball guy than I am. Uh, but R.J. Barrett in college was a monster, right? He was, you know, him and Zion in college were were like the, the 1A, 1B, right? And a lot of people, Correct. I remember during that draft, a lot of people said if Zion wasn't there, uh, you know, there was an argument that he could have, R.J. could have went number one. You know, in a lot of drafts, the talent was there enough that R.J. might have been a number one pick. And, and you know, let's say he stayed a year or, you know, even another uh, a year earlier he had come out or something like that. So the talent is there for sure. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, as, as you know, I saw a report today that, uh, you know, the Bulls said that they would, might be open to negotiating some sort of Zach Levine deal. Uh, not necessarily Zach Levine, but do you think a proverbial Julius Randle trade or the Knicks just moving on from Julius Randle, even if it's not for one of those guys that we said, like even if it's not for, you know, a superstar, a stud, you know, if, even if they move Randle and just say that, you know, we think the team's better moving around Brunson and RJ and whoever else we fill in with the Randall, uh, with a potential Randall deal. Do you think that RJ could potentially be a better number two to Brunson than Randall is? What I will say is that
2: I do believe that RJ Barrett with more opportunity with the ball in his hands would probably, you'd probably see a little more out of him and Knicks fans would probably like that he was having the ball in his hands more, especially, um, without randall what i will say about the randall trade though is i think the getting rid of julius randall obviously i believe that would be a good idea for the knicks but i only believe it's a good idea for the knicks if you are going to make another move that acquires like a superstar not a superstar or a guy that's at randall's level because if you're getting rid of one of those guys in randall who as much as the of Knicks fans don't like him, he still produces in the regular season and gives you numbers every night. Um, if you're making RJ and Brunson your one, two, and you're getting some depth for depth pieces and picks for Randall, you already have a very deep team. Like you signed Dante DiVincenzo, he's only playing 20 minutes a game. So would it give opportunity to more guys? Yes. But it I feel like if you're not making that move to then make another move for a different top or a higher tier player than just some depth. I feel like you're just staying in the same spot.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I think it's been a spot that the Knicks have kind of found themselves in for the past couple of years where it's almost like, you know, Randall, I don't want to say he's not tradable, but the trade you'd make for Randall is not, you know, you wouldn't be trading up Randall. Like I don't think a team that has a superstar would take Randall and, and see it as an upgrade or they would take Randall for a young player to kind of add to their team. Randall would almost be like a send off guy or that you'd send to a team that, you know, maybe has like a, a young core that, that, or, you know, someone that would be looking to also kind of flip Randall for something. It's unfortunate that, that I don't say that the Knicks have him or are kind of stuck with him. Cause I think Randall has shown that when he, when he's on, he's a, he's a great player. And and Mm -hmm. I've said for a long time that Randall is a guy that on a really bad team, he'll win you a couple games. So he'll win you, you know, he'll get you to like a five on a 500 team. Randall's a solid piece. If if 500 is your ceiling, but on a team with aspirations of playoffs and a team with aspirations of being, you know, very, very uh, energetic on the defensive side of the ball, very, very like uh, sound fundamentally on offense. He's not, he doesn't really fit into that system that I think that the, the Knicks' trajectory will lead them to be. Um so, again, we're, we're only a quarter of the way through the NBA season. So a lot can happen. We always know that the NBA is good for a, a random trader too. Um, but let's, let's transition over to the nets real quick, because something that uh, I think is almost a, a certainty in the NBA season, unfortunately, uh, and I think you as, as a much bigger net follower than I am, the Ben Simmons getting injured yet again, uh, I believe it's a nerve impingement in his back of some sort. Um Give me some of your thoughts on that. I believe they said he's only out for a week or so, but what do you think that does now with now Simmons out, Cam Thomas injured? It's kind of all on Bridges now, is it? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think one of the big things for the Nets going into the year was the hype around, oh, well, Mike Bridges and Cam Johnson, they both got to play on Team USA, and that always comes with the media saying, oh, well, if you play for Team USA, you usually take a big leap. You, you get better practice habits. You learn from the older guys. And that kind of just, I want to say, I don't want to say it guarantees better success on the court in seasons to come, but it almost boosts the, the positivity of your pr- trajectory as a player. Um, I that like the nets have gone after, uh, allowed Cam Thomas to just do what he does. And I love that Ben Simmons was playing again. Ben Simmons looked pre- honestly looked pretty good. Um, through these small sample of 10 or eight, six games that he played in. Um, but it's 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 inevitable that he's gonna get hurt. It's inevitable. He he has a fragile body. He also seems like a player who, if he's a little bit hurt and it's not everything's not perfect, he he's not gonna play. Um, with that being said, Michael Bridges is gonna have to kind of go back to how he was playing last season because the beginning of the season, although small sample size, hasn't been the best. He's had good moments, he's had a little problem shooting the three ball. Um but i think he's going to have to do a lot more as an overall playmaker over these next couple of weeks to facilitate the offense and kind of put himself back into that the the form that we saw the second half of last year.
0: Yeah, and it's again, i think you and i can both agree that our expectations for the nets in terms of, you know, season long, could they sneak into to an eastern conference playoff spot? Sure, would we be stunned if if they're out of the playoffs? I don't think either of us would be. But, you know, I think they're in a spot where they, they have a, a lot of kind of young and uh, very versatile guys that, you know, are, are we going to see a guy like like even a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie? Is he going to step up here and maybe even do you see this as an opportunity for guys like, again, like Dinwiddie or like a Dorian Finney-Smith to kind of raise their trade value even? Like, do you, do you see the Nets being some sort of like peace sellers at the deadline and letting, letting guys like, like Cam Thomas and letting guys like Bridges really, really run the show over there?
2: Yeah, I actually think that's exactly what's, what the next plan should be. Um, They're going to be a team that hovers around 500 all year. Going to be a team probably fighting for those play-in spots with a couple with a couple weeks left in the season. And I think that guys like Royce O'Neal, Finney Smith, Dinwiddie, even like Alani Walker, who we saw play really well for Lakers in the playoffs in, in spurts last season. These are guys that teams that Get injured on the in their depth or just looking for a little spark in their locker room. These are guys that they're gonna that pl- teams are gonna be calling about, especially around the deadline. So, yeah, if you're only getting a few seconds for these guys or maybe a young player with a, some upside, I think that's the move you have to do. Also, you want to see can Cam Thomas be a guy? Can Michael Bridges, what is Michael Bridges? Is he a second best player on a chip team? Is he a third best player? It, I think it's a lot. This is like a learning season for the Nets, they kind of need to figure out what their pieces are and then they can kind of move forward that way they have a lot of draft picks already and i think they're just going to look to stock up on picks so um getting Dinwiddie some more minutes getting um finnie smith and um uh Dinwiddy and lonnie walker some more minutes that'll probably boost their trade value
0: yeah and and again the, the nets are in a spot where if they seem to be you know over overachieving at the deadline that maybe they they can use those assets to trade up for someone like a you know like a Zach Levine is someone like that you know just just mentioning Zach Levine because the Bulls kind of had a I, there was some interesting reports out of out of Chicago today that said that the Bulls would be kind of open for business on, on Levine could like he be a said. guy that that the Nets target could he be a guy that the Knicks target um, let, let's wrap up this local this local talk with I'll, I'll ask you this for the if you were drafting a team, would you rather have Bridges or RJ Barrett for the rest of their career?
2: Ooh, the rest of their career? Ooh, that's crazy. It's a um good comp. it's a good comp. Um, I want to say Bridges is already like three years older than him. I believe I think so, played, yes. You think he played a couple of years in Villanova before coming out as RJ? I think I would take RJ because you're seeing um you're seeing more of it this year. You're seeing more consistency through the first 10 games. And he's younger. He has more time to get better. And I also think he has a little bit of a more fluent offensive game. Bridges didn't really show that his facilitating was where he needed to be. I know RJ hasn't really that much either, but I do believe that RJ's trajectory is a little bit steeper, potentially like steeper increasing. than I think Bridges is not saying Bridges is close to a finished product, but I think that he's probably a little bit closer to what his finished product is going to be.
0: Yeah. Th- I, think, I, I think I would agree with that. I think RJ has, and it's kind of consistently showing if you look at RJ's numbers, he's just I feel like he's just getting better and better. And it's you know, it's not astronomical. He's not, you know, leading the league in scoring, but he's going from, you know, 18 points a game to, to 19 to 20. It's very incremental, but he's slowly growing. And, you know, you said it—he's younger. he's younger. He's got less less mileage on his body, I guess. Um, I, I think that's a, a that's a fair assessment. Um, any other thoughts on the Knicks or the Nets before we get to some some keynotes around the league?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't trade for Zach Levine if I was the Nets or the Knicks. I just don't really love Zach Levine as a player on a winning team. And um, I think he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands too much for what the Knicks are probably looking to do. So I wouldn't really want him for either of those teams.
0: I'll throw I'll throw you out a, a Bulls name that will uh, that I think would spark the interest of a lot of of Knicks fans and I think if you get this guy under under Thibodeau I I think you could you could see some really really interesting things Alex Caruso I would love to see him on the Knicks he just screams next to me I mean Alex Caruso
2: is going to be Garner is going to be wanted by probably every single winning team that's looking to win a championship this year because he already showed that he could do it for a championship winning team he plays elite defense on and off the ball. He's a great guy that can facilitate the offense. If you need him to run a little bit of offense, and yeah, I agree 100. What I will say about the, him be joining a Knicks would it kind of be a super logjam at the guard spot now?
0: Maybe a little bit, but you know, I think if you you know you have your your Josh Hart and and your your Dante Divincenzo's, you're right. But I think that there's you know you maybe Alex Crusoe would, would more so be. Whereas Dante DiVincenzo is more of the offensive piece. I think Caruso would be more of the defensive piece. And, you know, even if even if they kind of flip flop in their minutes, I could see them kind of playing off one another in terms of, you know, you get a get a team with a good two guard that really needs some some really good defensive attention versus a team that, you know, maybe a Dante DiVincenzo could could get a couple buckets for or, you know, instant offense in if you want to insert DiVincenzo. And then, you know, you have your guy like Josh Hart. You're right. You know, I don't want to I don't want to break down every single scenario, but you're you're right in, in your assessment of that. But I think I think Caruso and I think just Thibodeau would love to have Caruso. And that might be a silly, just very, uh, you know, easy to say statement. But I just I just see Caruso play and I've seen him you know, even when he was on the Lakers and whatnot. I, and I, I just think that they would eat that guy up.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Caruso is a guy that I think every single NBA coach would want on their team.
0: Yeah, especially you're right. Especially winning ones, and hopefully the Knicks can can kind of stick to their their winning trajectory here. Um, yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about a little bit some of the notes around the league. Um, I think the biggest story of the NBA so far has obviously been this James Harden saga. Uh, I think we're both in agreement, and I I yet to find someone that would can kind of disagree with this. But James Harden is is the curse that keeps on cursing, and. He he, this is yet another team that since he's gone to the Clippers, they are winless. Uh, And then the 76ers looks like Tyrese Maxey has been unleashed. Kind of like I I would say would be a not to the same extent as James Harden. But I think uh, if you traded Julius Randle off the Knicks, I think R.J. Barrett would, like you said, only elevate his game. I think we're seeing that happen with James Harden moving on from the 76ers and Tyrese Maxey ultimately getting all of those shots and all of those minutes. What's your assessment of that whole situation?
2: Let me first go on the record and say, if I was an NBA GM of any team in the NBA, I would never trade a single asset for James Harden. That is the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is this, the Clippers um, on the Clippers side of things, they are idiots because they traded for James Harden. And (laughs) it's mostly because Steve Ballmer probably wanted it. And I feel bad for the GM because he's going to get canned when it's all said and done because of how this goes. But Harden's just not a winning player. If he has the ball in his hands all the time, you can make the playoffs and you'll win some, you might win a playoff series or two, but you ain't, you're not winning the ultimate goal. I think the Sixers did an amazing job. And I'm going to say it honestly, I don't blame Daryl Morey for doing what he did. Daryl Morey probably guaranteed James Harden. I'll pay you after this season and then decided, you know what, that's actually not the best idea. Um, Tyrese Maxey is a budding star in the league and we saw it a couple nights ago with the 50-point performance he had. The Sixers are, I believe, uh 8-1, and one, best record in the NBA, and they look yeah really they're unbelievable. And with the addition of Nick Nurse a coach and removing James Harden, who just dribble, 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 dribbles, I think it's going to set up for a very good regular season for the Sixers. I'm not going to comment on what I think about their playoffs right now. I want to see a little bit more of what, how they look as the season goes on, and I also want to see what move they make because I think Daryl is going to be very aggressive in trying to make this team better.
0: And I, I couldn't agree with you anymore on, on all of that because you're you're right. the The Clippers, I feel really bad for Kawhi Leonard to be quite honest because you know even even to a much lesser extent, you know Russell Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, even Paul George they're just not winning players. Like, they they don't, they're, Paul George, again, I think he's, I've always been a huge fan of Paul George. I think he's, you know, for on a night-to-night basis, I think he's great on defense, a little bit overrated on offense, but, I, you know, I would take him on my team a, a lot, a, you know, most most days of the week, but he's just not a winning player, and I think even more of that, James Harden has proven that he's he's the exact opposite of a winning player, and you know, to 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 put a guy like Kawhi who you could say what you want about his availability and his injuries. But, you know, if you're the Clippers, especially going into this season, all reports were that Kawhi was healthy and Kawhi wanted to play. And he wanted to play as much as he could this year. And he, this is what you do to him. Look, I, I don't want to. I was on the record last, I believe, in our preview, our season preview pod saying that the 76ers would, would end up blowing this up. And maybe they did, and maybe I was just right, but in the in kind of the wrong light. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there was when I said that there was some talk about Embiid moving. I I really, you know, obviously if they continue this, I don't think that's happening. But man, if I've never seen such a such a night and day difference between a team like the 76ers from just one trade. And and I, again, I as for Tyrese Maxey, he's unbelievable. I, I would watch him, and I always said that you know he's just he, he literally. Looks, plays, or played like Emmanuel quickly on the Knicks. And every time I'd watch him, I'd say, oh, wow, this is exactly what Quickly can be. I was so wrong. He, uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey is unbelievable. And he's like a budding super. He dropped 50 the other night. Mm-hmm.
2: I think the two-man game between him and Embiid is going to only get stronger as the season goes on. And Tyrese Maxey, man, he impressed me last season in the playoffs because teams weren't able to just, like, go at him defensively. Um, and I know that's always a problem for smaller guards when it, when the game gets tight at the end, they're going to try to get you on a switch and try to take advantage of you. He's a pretty solid on-ball defender, and he really makes you work. So um, I'm happy that they they're allowing him to bud into the player that I know he should be. He was a first-round pick. He was a lottery pick, or was right after the lottery. I'm not entirely sure. But this, uh, I li- I really like the Sixers team, man. I think they they play really good basketball, and now that they. Don't just dribble, dribble, dribble. Tobias Harris gets the ball more, uh, is able to do more things offensively. He's in a contract here. Are they going to look to trade him um, to improve their team potentially? They have some younger pieces that are on their bench that I know they could trade. I think they're going to make a move to make their team better, but um, I like the way that they've started, obviously, 8-1, best record in the NBA. Um, yeah, NBA,
0: great. and they're, I think they're only going to get better, honestly. And then, obviously, the caveat with them is, it, as as Embiid stays healthy, or if Embiid can stay healthy, they'll be good. And you know, like you said, I, I'm still skeptical of their, I guess, playoff aspirations and what they could do in the playoffs in terms of, you know, even winning the whole thing per se. But uh, you know, I think they're they're they become much more formidable uh, since the James Harden trade, and uh, I think I'm going to look to continue their watch their growth there. Um, another person that I'm actually currently watching uh, their growth in front of my eyes, Victor Wembenyama, who was the uh, the star of the offseason, the star of the draft, the biggest storyline coming into the NBA season, the perhaps the biggest uh, draft asset since LeBron. Uh, you know, we we throw those terms around all the time, but I think it's raining true. And I, I've really liked what I've seen from him. And, you know, I, I kind of went into the season under with an understanding of, He's, he's on a team that realistically, even if he was, you know, comes into the league and he's Michael Jordan, I I don't really know how much they would be winning per se. And I think that the Spurs record at the end of the season is not going to really reflect how, how well he played and how, how just amazing at basketball he is. But man, he is so impressive to watch. He's so impressive that I, I speak to my grandfather about sports all the time and he is the least bit interested in the NBA, but I told him, I said, I said, Hey, turn on TNT tonight. This was a week ago or so when he was on, he made his, I think it was against the Knicks when he played the Knicks. I said, turn on TNT tonight and just watch this guy. And I like, you don't have to like the game of basketball. You don't even have to like sports. You watch this guy and it's just unbelievable to watch. And and I think, I I think from more of a, an X's and O's or, you know, in-depth basketball sort of feel of this, I think he's in a great spot and people can get mad about his usage and, and how, He's, you know, he's playing in these little six-minute spurts or whatnot. I love it for, for the growth of a guy like that with that kind of body and and that young. I'm okay with it.
2: No, listen, I, I feel the same way. Um, he's an enigma. He's something the NBA truly really hasn't seen, a guy that can move like that at 7'5", seven, 7'6". Seven, um, an absolute elite rim protector immediately, great rebounder. Um, I think the one problem is that his team doesn't realize that he's seven foot six and you can just throw the ball up to him and he'll go and get it. Um, you saw glimpses of it at certain points where they just started spamming him. But I think as they all kind of realized that, especially like guys like Devin Vassell and Sohan. And when they realized that it's, we got to get this guy the ball more than we're already getting him the ball. I think they'll only grow as a team. And like you said, I don't think the record for them talks about what he'll do this year and how he'll play. He's going to have nights of really good. He's going to have nights of really bad. At the end of the day, he is just a 19-year-old playing in a league with a bunch of grown men. So there's going to be nights where it doesn't look good. The shot isn't falling. Teams are playing really physical with him. Um, I'm excited to see what happens when he plays guys like Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. Like, let's see what – Let's. I know they've been playing um, – the Spurs have been playing him at the four and playing Zach Collins at the five or vice versa, just having both of them on the court at the same time so that maybe he hasn't had to um, guard a lot of those bigger guys, but it's going to happen eventually. He's going to get bigger. He's going to hopefully stay healthy, and um, he could be a superstar.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that just just the aura around him, and he, he obviously – he goes to Madison Square Garden, and he kind of laid an egg in Madison Square Garden yeah. until the, the fourth quarter, and that I think that's just a testament to him just being young. But I think if, if there was any coach in the league that could – could kind of understand that and understand how to, how to work on that and fix that it's Popovich. And I think he's in such a great spot that even when like, you're right, even when the shots aren't falling one night, or even when he's having a bad week or even in a has a bad matchup in front of him. A guy like Popovich, a, a legendary one of the best coaches of all time in his corner is only going to help him. And it's, you know, whereas guys in the past, you, you see guys that even get drafted to the Knicks. Like when poor was struggling, there was no one there to kind of just you know tell him you know relax you're you're good you'll be okay and that's kind of why the whole Porzingis stuff kind of blew up in in New York. But I, I think in in on a team like the Spurs with Greg Popovich and like like we both said very low expectations for the team. You know he's not coming in to try and win a championship. Uh, he's coming in to just grow into himself and honestly build this core here uh, that I, you know don't want to get into the the X's and O's of the, of Spurs basketball, but. They got some good pieces over there in San Antonio.
2: Yeah, they drafted pretty well over the last couple of years. Vassell, Kelvin Johnson, Sohan, um, and now Wemby. I just think for Wemby, it's like this. If you're a casual fan watching him night to night, or not watching him night to night, you're just seeing the box score every night, there's going to be nights where you're like, this is the guy you said was the best prospect ever. You're going to shoot four of 12 and only have like 11 points. But if you watch the games, hashtag watch the games, (laughs) He is an immediate defensive impact on every single possession that he's playing defense. His impact is felt on a game, no matter if he scores 30 points or if he scores 10 points. So I think for him, and especially like you said, with Popovich being there to like, Hey, like it's okay. Like we're not shooting well tonight. Let's make sure we're doing the other things really well. Let's make sure we're talking on defense. Let's make sure that we're rotating correctly. Like he's just an absolute impact defensive player. I'm pretty sure he's already second in the defensive player of the year odds on, on FanDuel. Um, so I just think that if you're going to just watch the box scores, you're probably not going to be as impressed as if you're watching the games. So if you want to be impressed by him on a nightly basis. Just watch the game because you'll see the defensive impact and just the game impact. And you'll see guys go to the rim and pass out of open layups because Wemby's standing there waiting for you.
0: Yeah. And, and you said he's, he makes a game impact in every game I'll even break it down even closer. He makes an impact on every pass. Like if you're a point guard, at the top of the key, and you got it. You're running even just a simple pick and roll with Wemby involved to, in, to any extent. If he has a foot near the paint, you, you're making it's a it's something to think about when you pass the ball because he's just such an. You said it right. He's such an enigma, and he he's so. You you see guys. I'm even watching it as I speak. That you know, guys are they see him jump for the rebound and they start running. That changes the game. That it's it is. There's no stat for that other than obviously him just grabbing the rebound itself, but you, you're right. You, you kind to have to watch to really understand the impact and more so just any sort of box score. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I I've been impressed. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of a fan of the usage, a fan of him. I, I, I'll admit it. I was very skeptical of, of his body and, you know, of him being able to stay healthy and, you know, whereas in the past, I've, I i do not want to say I've rooted for guys to, to not be in, to not be uh, to, to not be healthy. I've been very, very skeptical of guys, but I think again, I think that's another reason why I'm such a big fan of his usage. Where he's not coming into playing, you know, 40 minutes a night. He's coming mm-hmm. in and playing 28, 30, 32, and, and if he's having a really good game, it has everything flowing. You know, he, he's he's playing. They're managing him really well, and I think that that's going to bode well for the future of uh, of himself and the future of the NBA. Honestly, um, yeah. So, no last last point on me for me is this.
2: Um, he's been preparing to be an NBA player since he's probably 14, 13 years old. Um, he's been already for the last four, five, six years been, uh, being trained by NBA trainers, um, taken care of by, uh, professional France French league doctors and telling him, Hey, here's what you have to do to stay flexible. Here's what you have to do to make, to limit your injury possibility. So I'm not saying he won't get injured. He probably will because let's call it how it is guys at his size. Don't ever just go through a career without any type of injury problem. So there probably will be something along the way, but he's taking every precautionary measure to not have it happen where it ruins his career.
0: Yep. And I think it's, again, it's in the best interest of the entire league for that to happen. So, Let's root for it real quick. Um, give me as again, very, very uh, short into the year so far. We're not even, I don't even think we're technically a quarter of the way through, but uh, give me a team that kind of had very low expectations going into the year that you've been kind of impressed by. Um, I think I talked about them on your, on the preview we did, but
2: Minnesota Timberwolves, baby seven and two three seed in the West right now beat the Nuggets beat the Warriors um they're they're sitting pretty right now because Anthony Edwards a guy that I have loved forever is uh butting into the superstar that we kind of saw glimpses of during the world championships and yeah and talking shit to Draymond Green yeah he's talking shit to Draymond Green not taking shit from anybody um they're, they're trying to figure out the, the cat go bear minutes. I know there's been a lot of talk about, are they going to trade one of them because it might not really work together, the cat and go bear thing. But so far it's been all right. Cats taking a sec, a backseat to Ant. Um, go bear is the leader for defense player of the year right now through small sample size, nine, 10 games, but um, they're five and zero against the West and they're five and zero at home. They're going to be a really good home team all season. Um, and, and, I love Jaden McDaniels. They signed him to a long-term contract and it is, it is immediately paying dividends.
0: Yeah. And I I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more on the, the assessment of, um, of Edwards. I think he's a, he's a, I outside the box could be an MVP candidate this year. And he might not win it, but he could could continue to put up these numbers and again, talking, talking shit to Draymond green and, and immediately backing it up. and, And they actually play again tonight. Um, I I'm a fan. I I'm bought into the, to the Anthony Edwards hype train. So consider yeah, me on board. Um, that. I'll, I'll go even lower though, for my, my team that's impressed lower in terms of, I guess, you know, where they at, where they're at, but I've kind of liked what I've seen out of the magic. And okay. I, for one reason, I think Paulo Banchero is a, a stud, right? He's, he's averaging 19, five and seven. He, he's shooting better from three uh, this year. He's almost had two steals per game and he's, he's doing this well. His free throws down to start the year, but all his numbers are still good, and and the Magic are are have been a tough team. You tell me, he's a twenty point per game guy with Wagner behind him and a very very young core. I I like the the trajectory of the Magic. Maybe not for this year. Maybe I'm a little bit early to the or or maybe I'm like way too early on the the in terms of you know kind of their expectations or setting their expectations, but. I think they're a team that's gonna be like very, very feisty all year and they're gonna they're gonna win some games that they're not supposed to. They're ironically, they're actually playing the Nets tonight. Uh they're up by six right now. We're just before the half. And and I think that they're gonna be a team that you know, get Bonchero going and make him your your guy to build around and maybe bring in a maybe they bring in a Zach Levine if they, they see fit. Someone like that can just go hoop out with mm-hmm. with Bonchero there. I don't know, just just throwing out a name. But maybe Carl Anthony Towns goes to goes to Orlando and he becomes the 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 one A to, to Bonchero's one B. I you know, I think they're a team that could be very, very interesting. Maybe not this year, but let's say going into this offseason for sure.
2: Yeah, no, listen, I I think I said I talked about the magic on your on the preview and I love the magic. I love Wagner, love Paolo. So um definitely not gonna hear any any uh disagreement there from me.
0: Yeah, and then I I kind of gonna gonna I'll ask you for yours, but gonna gonna stun you with my underwhelming team, maybe, maybe not. It's got to be the Warriors to me. I think it's 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 been the Steph show, and look, Steph Curry is unbelievable, arguably the greatest point guard of all time, are arguably definitely the best shooter of all time, and it's no this is no slight to Steph Curry, but listen to this. I read this stat today. I'm sure you've probably seen it. There have been 125 players who score 20 points or more in a game this season, an average of four per team. On the Warriors, only Steph Curry has scored 20 points or more. That's not good. Not good. And guess what? Steph Curry's hurt. And guess who they have to play tonight? Your favorite team, the Timberwolves. Nice. It might be an ugly game tonight.
2: Yeah, it could be. Um, one thing, I, one, The one thing I'll say about the Warriors, I do think, um, although the 6-5 and five record, I think they have been a little underwhelming due to the supporting cast, just not helping Steph out at all, scoring the ball. I was talking to a Warriors fan and they said, this is the Warriors brass going to say to themselves, we're going to trade away Klay Thompson to get someone that can actually help. Or are we going to want to say in 30 years from now, well, Klay drained Steph, they all play on the same team. They did it together for their entire careers. If they want to try to maximize this Steph Curry, uh, being still the second best player in the NBA, um, behind Nikola Jokic, for those wondering. Um, <laughs> they need to uh, they need to make a move. They need to get a guy that can truly help Steph Curry out. The Chris Paul experience has gone all right. He's done a good job leading the second unit. But if they can't get another guy to score 20 points in a game, they're going to have serious trouble at uh, at times during the regular season as well as in the playoffs.
0: And now, so that, that's I, – I couldn't agree with you more. And the, so I have, I'm reading through my notes that I have for just the, the show in general. And the last thing I had on the Warriors was – are they a top candidate for a big splash and and i think that they definitely are and i think whether that be trading clay thompson or do they you think they mortgage their future for you know one or two more years of uh, of this core and kind of getting I, I don't know who it is i don't know who the name is but you know someone to someone. to trade a, a kuminga or you know some, some someone that is that yeah. he's been a, yeah, a moody one of their future assets that might not be you know anything anything crazy or they might not be any sort of stud, but I I think they're definitely going to be a candidate for a big splash because they've been so underwhelming.
2: Yeah. And I think we've also never really seen the Warriors use like their draft capital to go get a guy. So maybe this is finally the time.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah, very, very, I think it's very, very likely Uh, they're definitely going to be a team to watch, but uh, I just had a call like it is for, for a team that has, uh, dynasty caliber uh, uh, talent and dynasty caliber front office, and uh, they've been there, done that. They've been underwhelming, and I don't want to say their dynasty's over. I, I'm, I root for the Warriors. I, they're unbelievable to watch when they're all healthy and they're all clicking. So I root for them to be good, and I, I hope that they're there in the playoffs because they're just great to watch. But uh, I think they're definitely going to be a, They've been underwhelming, and I think that that uh, that front office will, will point them in the right direction. Real quick, you got an underwhelming team before we get out of here.
2: Yeah, I think they're. Pro- I think this is probably the underwhelming team of the league right now, and it's the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, two and eight, last in the West, second to worst record in the NBA. I'll keep it short. I know John Morant's out for 20, 25 games, but they need to do better than this. They have Desmond Bain, who was a borderline Team USA guy. They had Jaron Jackson Jr., who was a, the starting center on the Team USA and was Defense Player of the Year last year. You add Marcus Smart, which should have softened the blow to the John Morant suspension for a little bit but it seems that their wing depth and their lack of scoring is really going to do them in without John Morant being here and I don't think anybody that watches the NBA truly saw this kind of start for them but now it, it begs the question to are they even going to make the playoffs because is their record going to be six and 19 when he gets
0: back from suspension yeah and and he's John Morant's an unbelievable basketball player but there is not too many guys that can dig you out of that hole that's what I'm saying.
2: I just think that if they don't get themselves kind of going right. And I thought before the season, as long as they were somewhere around 500, when he came back like 11 and 14, 10 and 15, uh, 12 and 13, whatever that they'd be in fine shape. He, you, a drama rant led squad would be over 500 and they'd either make the playoffs like a six seed or they'd be in the plan. But regardless, I thought they would be a guaranteed playoff team regardless of the, the suspension. So, um, little off there so far, but I think many people in NBA circles thought similar sentiments. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the biggest disappointment in the league and probably my biggest disappointment so far this season.
0: Well, Kurtzman, never, never a disappointment to me. Uh, always come through on the pod. Um, always welcome. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, hopefully, hopefully to talk some, some healthy nets and hopefully to talk some, uh, I guess, more uplifting Knicks too. And, and, you know, we'll continue to watch uh Continue to watch Wemby and this this whole in-season tournament stuff. So thank you very much.
2: Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll get
0: back on here soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. Right. Peace out.